Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will finish his message on darkness and light. This message and previous messages are available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org. Now here's some highlights from yesterday's message. That there should be death for a payment for sin. That's what he said. Is there any way that a person can please God without taking him seriously? No, there's no way. There's no way without faith. You can't do it. It's to believe. Let there be an open rescue door. An open rescue door for whosoever wants to. To go through that door to be saved from the second death. To be saved from the lake of fire. Now here's Tom Cantor as we finish our study on darkness and light. Put yourself in that picture. Picture your, 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 your lost co-workers. Picture your lost family members. Picture your lost friends. And if you were there, and what if they asked you, how much time have you spent in the last year praying for us? If you believe we're going to hell. If you believe we're going to be cast into a lake of fire. How much time? What if they said that to you? You know what Peter calls us? Peter calls us a royal priesthood. A royal priesthood. He says, you are a royal priesthood. That's what he calls us. What does a priest do? Two things. A priest teaches. We see that in uh, Nehemiah and uh, Ezra. Priest taught the people the word of God. They teaches and a priest represents men to God. A priest is a praying person. The job of a priest is to pray. Now, if you're like Bill and you have to say, and I've been there too, you know, Say, well, I'm guilty of the sin of prayerlessness. Change it. Change it today. Now, let's look at another passage here. Luke 16. Luke 16. Luke 16, verse 27. Now, uh, kind of jump in the middle of this uh, Luke 16 passage. Very important about, this is not a parable. This is not a parable. This is an, an accurate account Because this does not say the kingdom of heaven is like unto, or here's a parable. It's telling you what actually has happened. And it's talking about two people dying, the rich man and Lazarus. This this rich Jewish man is now in hell, and he lifts up his eyes in torments. It's a horrible thing. But what's interesting is what the rich uh, man says. It's revealing. Because he's asking Abraham to do something. What is it? Then he said, verse 27... I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou would send him, who? Lazarus. Send him to my father's house. Why? For I have five brethren, I have five brothers, that he may testify unto them, lest, what? They come unto this place of torment. See what the rich man's asking? The rich man's saying, send him, send Lazarus to testify that he may come into this, that they don't come to this place of torment. Every person in hell today that has relatives that are still alive is wanting you and me to go and testify to them so that they don't come to that place of torment. Have you ever heard someone say, well, I don't mind going to hell because all my friends are going to be there. Have you ever heard that? You know what these verses tell us? That ain't so. That ain't so. These verses are telling us that those in hell are saying just the opposite. 
They're saying, I don't let them come here. It's so terrible. Don't let them come here to this place, what he calls torment. So let's not be guilty of the sin of not testifying or telling people how to go through the open rescue door so that they don't go to this place of torment. So now, if you'd have to say like Bill, I'm sorry, I'm guilty of the sin of prayerlessness, change it. Change it today. Make a list of just five lost souls. That's all. Just five. Just think. I know five lost souls. Maybe it's from your family. Maybe it's your friends. Just five lost souls. Or whoever God brings you in contact with and brings to your mind. And let me suggest, make the list and promise to pray for them every day. And pray for them every day. And then maybe God will put more on the list. But don't start with so much. That's what they always told us in diet class. Don't take on more than you can handle. That's my problem. I never took on more I can handle. No, anyway. But um, five. Just five souls. And be a faithful priest for those five souls. You know, there's a wonderful statement that's made about David. I want you to turn to it. Acts 13, 36. It's a wonderful statement about David. It's a great statement. Oh, that it should be like this for each one of us. Acts 13, 36. Okay, 13, 36. You got it? All right, very good. This is here, uh, this is Paul preaching. And he comes to the, the life of David and he makes a... Uh, uh, the kind of statement that would be appropriate for David's tombstone. All right? This would be appropriate for David's tombstone because here's what it says. For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell on asleep. Think about that. Would you like that on your tombstone? I would. I want that on my tombstone. Have you ever thought that as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you're on an assignment to serve your generation by the will of God? You are here to serve your generation by the will of God. That's your goal. That's your God-given goal. God has not brought you into that job just to make money. Oh, no. He has a much higher purpose for you to be there. You are to serve in that workplace that generation, by the will of God, praying for the lost there as a priest, as a royal priest, for starters. God has not brought you into that lost family for no purpose. No. God chose that family for you so that you could serve that family by praying for them. Serve them by praying for them. So you commit to God to serve the people that God has put you in contact with in your generation. And you pray for them every day. Start today. You willing to say that? Oh God, I confess to you prayerlessness. And from this day, I will serve my family. I will serve my friends. I will serve my co-workers by the will of God. And I'm going to start by first faithfully praying for them. And then I will faithfully bring the gospel to them. Now, maybe you're saying, okay, but the gospel for my uncle, oh, you don't know my uncle, or my cousin, oh, you don't know my cousin. No way, no way that they're they're like the Antichrist, you might say that. It's impossible. What can we do? Well, we need a point of faith. 
In Genesis 1-2, there was an impossible situation. You know what Genesis 1-2 says? There was an impossible situation. You know what it was? It was darkness. It was a darkness. It's impossible, the darkness. When you look at your family and your friends and your co-workers, you may say it's impossible. Think of this darkness as an impossible situation. So now you stare at the darkness and you say, maybe there's some light in that darkness, and if I stare long enough, maybe it'll disappear because the light will spontaneously start. That's not going to happen. There's no light in the darkness. It's impossible. Or you might say, well, if I just sit here and think about the light enough, you know, it'll just appear. In a, that's not going to happen. What happened for the darkness to be dispelled and the light came? What happened? A miracle. God. The answer, God. That what happened? God happened. God said. God commanded. Okay? He said. He commanded. That's what happened. And that's how it all came, 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 went away. Because that's when he said it, that's when he said it. 2 Corinthians 4, 6. All right? 2 Corinthians 4, 6. Here's the, here's, here's the part of hope for us. Is there hope that the darkness will turn into light? No. Is there hope that this light will just sort of like happen? No. 2 Corinthians 4, 6. The hope is... God. The hope was, when there was darkness, God said, let there be light. The hope is, 2 Corinthians 4, 6, God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined into our hearts and will shine into the hearts of others. Also, to give the light. What light? The knowledge of God. The knowledge of the glory of God. Where? In the face of Jesus Christ. In the face of Jesus Christ. So, what, why do we pray for the lost? Oh God, just like you did in Genesis there, like you commanded the light to shine in the impossible situation of darkness. Oh God, we've got an impossible situation of the darkness of my uncle, my cousin, whatever. Oh God, command the light to shine into the darkness. What light? The light of the knowledge of God. The light of the knowledge of the glory of God. Where? In the face of Jesus Christ. Like the face of Moses when he came down off the mount and no one could look at him. Why? The glory of God was coming from his face. The glory of God comes from the face. No man has seen the Father at any time, but the Son hath revealed him. Right? The law came by Moses, but, but um, grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. So we preach Christ. We speak about Christ. We faithfully bring the Lord Jesus Christ to our lost friends, our lost family. Why? And as we're bringing that, we are praying, Oh God, command the light to shine in the darkness. I don't have hope in this person. I don't have hope in that darkness. I don't even hope that light will just somehow come. I have hope in you. When you commanded the light to shine in darkness, I have hope in you to command the light to shine in the darkness of this person's life. That's why I pray. That's why I'm a priest. You got it? That's it. So that's why it's so vitally important. Our hope is God. We pray to God. The problem is darkness. The solution is God commanding the light to shine in the face of Jesus Christ. That's why we preach Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for for your power and to command, and it was so, for your goodness, because you did send the light. Lord, and we just want to just not make you mad, 
make you happy, take you seriously, faithfully serve our generation, praying for them, bringing the gospel to them. Help us to be and to do as you would please. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow, that was a great message today. Tom, I've I've heard so many people just talk about hell like it's a tailgate party with some kind of happy reunion of all their friends who rejected friendship with God. But in the account you quoted from Luke 16 about the rich man in hell, it was hardly a scene of a happy tailgate party. That man was not partying. He was in torment. And what was interesting was the fact that he had concern for his family. Do you think this passage gives us some clear insight as to what people are really thinking in hell? Well, absolutely. As a matter of fact, there's not many passages in the Bible that tell us specifically what's going on in hell. But this is one unique passage which we would do well even to memorize in Luke 16, 27 through 28. Let me read it again. Then, this is the rich man who lifted up his eyes in hell. Then he said, he's speaking to Abraham. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him, that'd be Lazarus, to my father's house. For I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. You know, when we read a passage like that, it's like we really have to stop and really consider different points of what he said in order to get the full truth of it all that God has so graciously allowed us to hear and to see so that we can understand fully. First of all, he says, He wants to send him to his father's house. Now, when I grew up in my father's house, my grandfather's house, and many, many typical of of, uh, some Jewish houses, you could not say the name of Jesus Christ. You could not say the name of Jesus. I could not say the name of Christ. I certainly could never say the name, the Lord Jesus Christ. So the idea that this person who's in hell, this Jewish person who's in hell, is saying that he wanted Lazarus to be sent to his father's house to talk about the Lord Jesus Christ is absolutely astounding, is absolutely dramatic. He says, in other words, what he's saying there is he's saying, Father Abraham, send Lazarus. They're going to reject the name of Jesus. They're going to reject the name of Christ. They're going to reject the name of Jesus Christ. But Father Abraham, send him and tell him to keep going. Send him and tell him to break through all that prejudicial barriers. Send him and tell him to do not turn away because of their rejection. Why? Because the reality of hell The reality of the torments is so great that, oh, Father Abraham, will you please tell Lazarus to to ignore what they say because they must hear. So the first thing that's very dramatic about what he says is the term, my father's house. So he's saying, irregardless, without any regard to the prejudice that they have and the hatred, despising, and rejection to the name of Jesus, the name of Jesus Christ, send them, 
Send them on a love mission from me in hell to them. The second thing that's dramatic about what he says is he says, for I have five brethren. He tells Abraham, Abraham, I want you to understand, I have five brothers. What does that mean? That means from hell itself, this rich man has has the names of his five brothers on his mind. He has the pictures of their faces, the individual faces of the five brothers in his mind. He's got them embedded on him. He's got like a prayer list. This is like prayer that he's making to Abraham, and he's reading off the list. Jaime, Moisha, Jack, so forth, each one. And he's not just going, Jaime, Jack, Moisha. He's stopping as he's talking about each one to consider their faces, to consider them as individuals. Oh, that's my young brother, Jack. No, 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 not him cast into hell. Oh, that's my older brother, Jaime. No, 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 not him cast into hell. That's my other brother, Eddie. No, 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 not him. He's going down each one of their names and their faces, and he's crying out in his heart for each one, in it to Abraham. You know, that's such a challenge for believers. The challenge of what? The rich man in hell said, I have, and he said, five brethren. And the question that comes to us, how many do you have? How many brothers do you have? How many sisters do you have? How many parents that are still alive do you have? How many cousins? How many aunts? How many uncles? How many friends? How many acquaintances? How many people in your life do you have? And will you do as this rich man does? Will you put their names on your heart, on your shoulders, like the high priest did in the Mishkan tabernacle? Will you take them to your heart, pray for them? Will you see them as individuals? Will you cry out to God for each one of them? Will you say with this rich man that's in hell, I have five brethren. And then he says he wanted... Uh, Lazarus to go, as he said, that he may testify unto them. What should Lazarus testify? Lazarus was in the bosom of Abraham. He was in heaven, so to speak. So Lazarus also understood that the rich man was in hell. So he's saying to Abraham, Abraham, will you send Lazarus to each one of my five brethren and have him say, I swear to tell to you the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And the truth is that there is a heaven, I saw it, that there is a hell, I saw it, that this is a heaven that you can gain, you can, as I did, that this is a hell that you can avoid, I did, that this is a hell that you're heading to, like your brother who's there now. And so he's asking Abraham, have Lazarus go and testify of these truths. Where do we learn these truths? In the Bible. What is God requiring us to do? To go and testify to our kin, to our friends, to our acquaintances, to those that God has put within the circle of our lives, the truth, heaven is real, hell is real. Heaven is wonderful. Hell is a place of torment. Heaven is attainable. 
Hell is avoidable. That's what the Bible teaches. And as we read that, understand that, know that, are convinced of that, then we stand and testify to those who, with whom it's still an issue. We don't go to the graveyard and stand over gravestones and testify to the dead because it's not an issue to them. But we go to the living with whom the, with whom the choice is still present, heaven or hell, life or death. And then he said, lest they come lest they come into this place of torment. When he said, lest they come, that means that there is a choice to it all. There is a choice to it all, which means that hell is a unnecessary catastrophe at the end of a person's life. Hell is an unnecessary destruction at the end of a person's life. It's not necessary because no 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 matter how great a sinner is before God God has made a way of escape for everyone that's the wonder of the cross the wonder of the cross is that all of the sins that man has has, has committed all of the sins that I have committed all of the sins that you have committed, all of the sins that everyone has committed was laid on him on the cross, and he took the wrath of God for it. He took the bullet for everyone. He paid for everyone's sin so that it could be possible now for a person to choose life because the whole problem of the sin having to be paid for has been paid for, has been taken care of by God. So that lest they come portrays that where this rich man realizes now in hell, I didn't have to be here. I didn't have to come here. There is no such thing as fatalistic Calvinism. There is no such thing as people have been predetermined to either heaven or to hell. God has made the choice, and it's for each person to make their choice. He knows who's going to make what choice, but that does not determine the choice that the person will make. And that's why the rich man in hell said, lest they come. And then he described the place in hell as the place of torment, the place of 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 crying out, the place of pain, the place of the fire that's not quenched, the place of the of the of the pain that does not go away, the place of anguish. And also, as we've seen in this rich man's place here, that it's a place of prayer, but prayers are not answered. This man is praying to Abraham, oh, Abraham, please. But it's the place of frustration because God will not hear from that place. And that's what adds to the torment. And you know what else is in that place of torment? Perfect memory. Perfect memory. No Alzheimer's in hell. Perfect memory is restored. Memory of every part of a person's life. Memory of their families. Memory of the great and the good, the beautiful skies, the wonderful part of God's creation. It's all there in crystal clear, perfect memory. 
And when that's put together with the torment, it adds to the torment. And that's what he's trying to tell us by these words. Luke 16, 27 for 28. Great passage to memorize and never forget because God has given to us so that we will understand heaven is real, hell is real, heaven is God's intention for man. Thank you for joining us today. Join us again tomorrow as Tom Cantor begins a new teaching study over the next Thursday and Fridays on the tabernacle. Now, do you have a Jewish friend or know of a Jewish person that needs to be reached with the gospel? Would you like to give them a gospel gift or have one sent to them anonymously? You can contact us directly by phone and we can help you to do that. Call us today at one 800 247 3051. Once again, that's 1-800-247-3051. And we can help you to fulfill God's command to go to his lost nation of Jewish people first. Many of us know Jewish people, whether it's a lawyer, a doctor, a businessman, friend, co-worker, neighbor, or maybe even somebody who's just next door to us. So reach them with the gospel. Call us today at 1-800-247-3051. You can also call us and get a copy of today's broadcast at that same number. But remember, all of our messages, including today's and previous messages, are available for free download at our websites, friendshipwithgod.org or israelrestoration.org. Once again, that's friendshipwithgod.org or israelrestoration.org. So please visit our websites or call us at 1-800-247-3051. Thanks for joining us today and join us again tomorrow as Tom Cantor starts his series on the Tabernacle.